Okay, good morning and good afternoon and good evening. We're all over the world, probably all the way from Australia, Indonesia, Europe, New Mexico. So. Um, <clears throat> well, so we'll look at this vast earth and um, I'm realizing that it's uh, really quite vast. <laughs> so, and it's a little bit frustrating because I was thinking this is going to take I was ended up counting how many slides it would need, and maybe 70 uh, would be good. So we're going to just see what we can do and, and take it from there. Uh, and so, you know, on any endeavor like this, uh, we, well, let's start with the Fatiha, uh, be listening to the Fatiha to, be, to commence us. Uh, so Omar, I think, will be able to uh, recite Fatiha, and then we'll take it from there. So, thanks. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Maliki Yawmiddin Iyaka na'budu wa Iyaka nasta'in Ihdina as-sirata al-mustaqim Sirata al-ladhina an'amta alayhim Ghayri al-maghdubi alayhim Wala'l-dadhin Ameen Sadaqallahu al-Azim So as you probably know the, the Fatiha is the doubled uh, it's doubled, it's two, it's got, it's divided into two. So we're going to be looking at two as a way to help us enter into this vast earth, what this vast earth is. So let's start with the screen share. Okay, let's do that. Thank you. So the, the, the vast earth, where is it? What is it? How is it? All of these questions. Uh, for many years, I've been wanting to make an atlas of the other world. And then I thought, and, and an atlas of the vast earth as well. This would be a different book. Um, and that's the one that I thought, an atlas, because you get different maps. And I thought that, you know, instead of trying to understand as, a, as one, as some huge whole thing, uh, that I could maybe understand pieces of, of this and make different maps in this atlas. And so an atlas of the vast world. And that one, uh, that, that's, that's the one that I was, these are maybe a few of the maps in that atlas. And so we'll take it from there. But throughout all of this with the maps of the other world and the maps of the vast earth, it keep, the idea of dimension keeps coming up. And we know that the, the didn't have two dimensions, and that's because they come at us from the front of us and the back of us and from the right and from the left. So those four directions, the Arab way is the four directions are two dimensions. And so Ibn Arabi says that to, to escape the jinn, or you go up or down. And so you take the other dimension, the third dimension. And then it seems that animals uh, seem to have four dimensions because they can see magnetic fields. And so the electric magnetic wave is one that's always at orthogonal or right angles to, e to, the, to the propagation of the wave. And so this right angle, this extra angle seems to be a dimension. And it seems to me that they can look. So a bird may have some magnetic sensor in the beak. And when they look, they see a magnetic field. So they don't just feel it, but they see it. 
But then we humans, we seem to be at three dimensions. And so a lot of times I've been, you know, why are we at three dimensions? Why can't we see four? And what does it mean that we're, in a sense, stuck at three dimensions? And only working with this concept of seeing and hearing and smelling, so that's two eyes, two nostrils, two ears, then it became clear that this three-dimensional, we're not stuck in three dimensions because four, having four dimensions wouldn't help us. So what we need to do is to work with the three dimensions that we're in, but to see it as with two eyes, two nostrils, and two ears. And so this doubleness is something that helps us see what we're supposed to see. And what it does is the, what the two eyes do is give us depth. So if we see a screen, like we see all this screen here, all these people in front of us, um, and this picture here of, you know, on, on the hides, there are all these people. We, if we look with one eye or the other eye, we just see a that's flat. It's just a bunch of people. But the moment we look with two eyes, then we, one eye sees this and another eye sees a slightly different view. Then suddenly something pops out. So there's depth, pops out. And the same way with the ears, we have stereo ears so that when we hear sound from this side, we hear sound from this side and it's slightly different. And because it's slightly different, we can perceive with our ears, we can perceive depth. So it sounds like the sound is coming from here, or it's coming from here. Uh, and so all of that is a way of having something pop out at us so that we see it. So it isn't that if I had four dimensions, I could suddenly see this yellow shirt right there in, during the hudge. No, what makes it pop out is having the two eyes or two nostrils or two ears. So this tells us that what is the stereo vision all about and um now and well just really quickly also when we want to we want to see something clearly we might squint and squinting uh changes somewhat the focus of the eyeball so squinting is like thinning the membrane so if we want something to pop out at us if we want to see something and what its meaning is then when the membrane is thinned we have, that's when we have access to the meaning. So the membrane is when you are visiting someone who's sick, feeding someone who's hungry, doing all of these things, you are, the meaning is much more accessible to us. We can see what's happening more than if we just say everything is flat and everything is the same. So the stereo vision that we're looking at is the sight looks with one eye and the insight looks with the other. Physical eye looks with one, and faith, iman, looks with the other. So iman, this, this, what's, we're translating here as faith, iman is right after the fatiha, we are told, the ones who have iman in the unseen. So having Iman in the unseen, you see something in the unseen with this eye and you see the outside or the flat part with the other eye. Together, 
you see what the meaning is, what things mean. And of course, that second clause, وَيُقِمُونَ salat, And they're the ones who stand up or establish the salat. And salat, the musalliya, is the one who comes second. So salat first is the fatiha of the two parts that I have divided the prayer into two. One part for the the slave and one part for me. So this division into two, that's our first stereo uh, indication. And then the salat, the word itself is second. So the, and the phrase is that Muhammad came first and Abu Bakr Musalliya came second. So the Musalliya is the, is salat, is the second. So what we're looking at is seeing things with two. And so it's, it turns out it won't help us to have four-dimensional vision. So having four-dimensional vision will still not tell me what is meaningful. And in this group of people here in the, on the Hajj there, nothing will stick out at me or pop out to me be, just because I have four-dimensional vision. So we need, I need to be happy with three dimensions and happy with three-dimensional vision and just realize what's needed is the two slightly different ways of looking. So that when I look at someone and then I look at with the other eye from the unseen, then I see the full picture. So who is that person? Well, that person is a body and is a soul. I can't see the soul with this eye, but I see the soul with this other eye. And actually, we're, we're quite good, or we learn to pick up information and meaning from limited sources, like pixels. And so I, I don't want to put uh, the far side, uh, Gary Larkin, I think he's very sensitive about having uh, things be put on screens or printed, but Gary Larson did the far side, wonderful comics. And one of them is that the, the, the guy is flying a, flying a plane over a, a deserted island. And on this desert island, there is a person who is, you know, save me, save me. And he's written in the sand, H-E-L, and he's trying to write P, but it comes out as an F. So he hasn't finished writing the P. So the guy's flying along, he says, oh, wait, wait, cancel that. I guess it says health. So he doesn't need any help. So the guy just flies on from there. So most of us are able to pick up, if we saw H-E-L-F, we would say, oh, this person is trying to tell me, I need help, and we would go help. So we can work from a very little amount of information and pick up meaning. So, and uh, so this, so this, being able to see, this is a very, is a special way of seeing, and it doesn't require four dimensions. It can be done with the eyes that we have right now, but they have to have two eyes that see differently. So these people who can see very well with two eyes, they are more cognizant of you than you are because the Arafin have eyes in their hearts. So they're seeing inside, outside at the same time. Marifa, who you are, is opened up to them. And they see with these eyes things about you that you yourself are unaware of in you, as you do not have these eyes. This is why Junaid said, the Araf is the one who is articulate about your secret heart while you are silent. 
Silent here is lack of speech. What he meant was, he recognizes about you what you do not recognize about yourself. It is like the doctor who recognizes something hidden, contributing to your poor constitution when he examines you, but you do not recognize it. So these arafim are doctors of the souls. It is just as happened with Uthman, God be pleased with him. And this is where a man came to him, and as soon as his eye fell on him, he said, Oh, glory to God, why will men not lower their gaze from things God has made taboo? You can okay, here we go. That man had sent his gaze to somewhere not lawful for him, either with his looking at the private parts of a human being, or looking into the interior of an inhabited house, or something like that. The man said to him, is there a revelation after messenger of God such that you can know what I've done? He said, no, but there is firasa, this intuition. Haven't you heard the statement of messenger of God, be aware of the firasa, the intuition of the faithful, because he looks by means of the light of God. So he has two eyes. One's looking from what things look like to the rest of us, and one is looking from the light of God, so from the heart. As soon as you came upon me, I saw that in your eyes. This is the meaning of our statement, that a mark is left on the limb from which that activity was done, whether praiseworthy or blameworthy. So all of these things that they see are marks, and marks tell us what, where they came from. Okay, and I think we have uh, someone reading for us here. Yes, Um, Marta, do we have you for this? Now, the light of Firasa, intuition, is adjoined to the name Allah, which is the comprehensive name which gathers together the properties of all the names. You see, this name differentiates the praiseworthy from the blameworthy, and the movements of felicity in this next abode, and the movements of the wretched up to their coming to a point for some of them that one seems sees the tread of a person in the earth and that is one's footprint while the person is not present so that they can say this is a felicitous footstep or this is a wretched footstep it is something such as what the trackers do who follow the track and say the person who made this track was someone clear-skinned, for example, or one-eyed. They start to describe their characteristics as if they were, seen, they were seeing them and what had happened with them, random events. They see that, all of it, in their footprint without having seen the person. They evaluate genealogy and they connect paternally the child to his father when, the, when there is a disagreement about its paternity, when there is a lack of correspondence in the external aspect conventionally expected between parents and children. Thank you. So this, this being able to read from the tracks, being able to read what's happening, uh, what as if you are seeing them right now. And so this one, 
to be able to read tracks, to be able to see, move from the marks that are made to what, who made them and, and what that person was like who made them. So this is, again, not, we don't need the four dimensions. We, need, we can stay with the three dimension as long as we can pick up information from what is unconventional sources. And that picking up of information is to be able to see, based on that mark, this must have happened. And of course, this is the way that uh, we, we study the natural world. We, based on what we see, can we say what mechanisms cause that to happen? So we see uh, two things hit each other and they bounce off. And so we ask, what is the mechanism that's unseen, which explains why they bounced off that way? Was there a mass and there's force and there's acceleration? And so we wanna look at those things to see what's behind all of this. Okay, so we work from pixels and we can gather through pixels, we can get all the information we need. And so uh, the pixel idea is that Ibn Arabi tells us that every day who is upon a shan, a brilliant radiance. And so he's saying that God is creating at every moment a new creation. And he makes, Ibn Arabi makes the point that this shan, this brilliant radiance, is a singular. So it's not that God creates all of these pixels at once. It's singular. So each individual pixel is lit up with brilliant radiance. And then the next one is, and the next one is, and the next one is. So by each individual pixel being lit up, but when all of the pixels are lit up, that's time one. Then they all flash off. Now we start time two, pixel one, pixel two, pixel three, pixel four, until everyone is all lined up, lit up, and then whoop, they're off, turned off, it's time three. So we go pixel one, pixel two. So this is the process of the new creation, that the new creation is created either every breath, or we could say much faster in femtoseconds or something like that. And this is why, because each individual is lit up individually, singularly, this is why we do know or have the, the sneaking suspicion that we are the center of the universe. Because at that moment, only we are the pixel being looked at by the divine radiance. And so it's natural to know that you are the focus of all that is the, the creator of all that is. And so these pixels, and so this, this, in fact, this painting, the movement is, is, is the, the whole idea of exploring how we see things. And the way we see things is we pick up uh, pieces and we create the whole. And that's why there's cognitive dissonance, because we create, we see pixels and we say, this is what's happening. We see some more pixels. This is what's happening. And then suddenly, eventually, we start to get the sneaky suspicion that maybe it isn't like this. And then we have cognitive dissonance. We start all over again and we say, what are we seeing? And so the pixelated uh, reality is the one that what we to train ourselves, we have to train ourselves to see what really is. Um, and because we have to find out, have I made an error in my interpretation of these pixels? And then pixels also, that focus. So this pops out. So this figure here pops out, even though it's pixelated, even though I'm still in the same situation of 
working from in, uh, part, working from partial uh, information, I then still find meaning. So the partial, the partialness of the or the sparseness of the information doesn't reflect on whether I can draw meaning or not. Okay, so uh, we'll hear this. Um, this the, on this side there is uh, Ibn Arabi's uh, actual hand drawing of his first picture of what is the mist and the throne and the universe and what comes before and what comes after. So uh, we can be listening to the Silahi as we also get this image into us. Thank you. I am not Oh, <laughs> 
and breaking all the beginning and the end. Thank you. So, so you see with this picture, um, it's, it's like we talk about a picture is worth a thousand words, but sometimes, you know, a thousand uh, pictures make a word. So this Ibn Arabi, when he shows this, when he draws this picture and then says, you know, I wish it could be a little bit of a bigger a place to draw because it's not spacious enough to put everything in here. So yeah, it's, it's, this is right now, even someone like me can find that there's 70 pages of what has to be done here. And it's interesting that when he talks about this, so he's, he's diagrammed it, but then the moment he speaks of it, he starts speaking of this Muhammadan light, this Nur Muhammad Sallallahu and this, and the, that I am a treasure concealed, but I love to be recognized. So he, it's so clear that how do you diagram, I am a hidden treasure, um, and so there's some things you can diagram, and then there's some things which we have to have the words, the language that brings us out. Okay. And so, um, yes. So let's look. So this this idea of the of of the vast earth. One of the things that Ibn Arabi tells us about the vast earth is that. Uh, their, their, their superposition, one thing in two different places. So he's going to describe the dream about this, that how, how dreams work. And so he said, when you understand what I'm alluding to, do not object to what I'm taking a position for. And I am citing, given that the ascension occurred in the night, and night is a time period, and given that Moses, peace be upon him, was in the grave and in the sky and the two are space, they are place. Because you yourself had submitted, based on your school of thought, that the organic body will not be in two places simultaneously. So there is no superposition. But he's saying there is superposition. While you still have faith in this hadith, that whole story about that Moses was in his grave, but also in the sky. If you are someone faithful, then just follow it. And if you are a knower, then do not make an objection, because knowledge will stop you. You do not have a choice because only God chooses. And do not turn away from the apparent meaning that what is in the earth is other than what is in the sky, because the Prophet did not say, I saw the spirit of Moses, but not the body of Moses. No, he said, I saw Moses in the sky, while it is known that he is buried in the earth. And it is like that for the rest who see him among the prophets, peace be upon them. So the one main Moses, if it was not his entity self, then the report about him is a lie, that it was Moses. All this, and you are one saying, I saw you last night in a dream, and you were saying this and that. And the one seen, it is known that he is in his house, in a state other than the state which you saw him in. Or he was, as you saw him, but in another locale. You do not say to him, I saw other than you in my dream. 
and still you disapprove of us doing this. In fact, the presences and the locales differ and the changing states differ, but the entity is one, al-ain wahda. So this is why in the dream you say, I saw you and this and the you that you saw. Now I can see I saw X or I saw I saw Z. And uh, so what did Z look like? Well, very young. I can also say I, someone very old and say, oh, that's the one that I'm talking about. Or someone could be a man or a woman or something or a child or anything. And I could say, oh, that's that person. So it doesn't, the, the shape of the form uh, doesn't confuse me that I'm looking at this person who I'm looking at. And I myself, if you see yourself in dreams, you may see yourself in different uh, uh, forms. So you may see yourself in a dream and everyone's treating you like a child or treating you like an old person or treating you like a woman or treating you like a man. And so all of this, and still it's you who we're talking about. So Ibn Arabi is saying, so we understand this, so let's not get confused that you, one person can be more than one place and in more than one form. And so um, when he asks uh, this other side, when he asks about, can I know whether I'm an insan kamil, if I'm a complete human being, Ibn Arabi doesn't say, shame on you for talking like that. He says, we say, God bless you for the question you ask. And that you know that you are complete when you are in this hadith, that the mu'min is a mirror of his sibling. And so the mu'min is the mirror of the mu'min, and, so, and, the, and the mirror of the sibling. The mu'min is both a name that we have and a name that the divine has. So it's, it's a name that's on both sides. And so one is a mirror of the other. And so the, and these, and then what we understand is when we understand that there are these faithful, these mu'mins, and they are siblings, then we realize that our job is to make peace among the siblings. So the, the conflicts among brothers and sisters, siblings, is something that is inherent, and therefore it's our job to make peace among them. So one learns that the divine names, all of them, are like the mu'minun, are like the faithful. They are siblings. So make peace among your siblings, meaning when they are discordant, like the mu'iz and the mu'dhil. The mu'iz is the one who exalts you, and the mu'dhil is the one who abases you. These are discordant. They are unharmonious, so we need to make peace among them. And the dar, the one who unavoidably drives you into something, and the nafi, the one who drives you to a benefit. And so these are discordant names. As for the other names facing each other comparatively, they are siblings delighting in each other. So Rahim and Rahman delight in each other because they have the same mission of Rahma. So, um, so, and it is only the name, the cherisher, Rabb, who makes peace among the names, or Mu'min, who makes peace among the names. So these are the two names. You want to be cherisher, you want to be Mu'min, a mirror. And so the mirror is the one that mirrors these names, which are discordant, and then finds the way to make peace in them, to integrate them and make, have peace. So one doesn't eliminate bad things, or we, and what, one finds the way to make peace. And this is the, the old way of looking at health and the body, is that I have, I have yin and yang, I have up and down, I have forceful and, I, uh, and all of these different forces in me, and they are discordant, they cannot live together, hot, cold, but the answer is not to remove one of them, the answer is to find peace 
to integrate them to find peace. And then this means then accepting the one and then saying, I acknowledge you, and then moving to the next. And so, so to begin the description of his diagram, this is the, the sentence that Ibn Arabi starts with. And I'll ask Klaus to recite this if he would. This is where God loves that he be recognized in order to provide abundantly to the world knowledge of him. And knowledge that he is not knowable in the place of his who, nor in the way he knows himself, and that no knowledge of him will be obtained by the world, except that the world know that he is not knowable. This amount is called knowledge. So there's, so the, the word for alam, the word for world is alam, the world. And then the mark is an alama, same word. And that is that the mark of in the world is what tells us that the world has come from a creator. So the mark and the world point to the creator. And so the reason linguistically that you have an alam is so that you will alama or have ilm, knowledge, through the alama, the mark of who created you. So the world itself is telling, is pointing us as a marker to the creator. Okay, so here's uh, my f attempt to start drawing one of the 70 maps of the vast earth. So we start with, I love to be recognized. This one, because the sigh, I love to be recognized, but I'm not being recognized, I'm concealed. Sigh, sighs are warm and vaporous. And so they create a mist. And this mist is where everything is going to come from, from this sigh. So yearning and sighing and loving what isn't there right now is the absolute basis of the universe because it's the basis of the divine. And so we'll never get out of that, that there's something else, there's something more that you yearn for. You'll never say, that's it, I've got enough. And so when it comes to love, there's never, that's it, that's enough. There's always more. Because even the divine is not getting all of his recognition that is required to be satisfied. So from this myth, the first is the first intellect. And the first intellect, you, Ibn Arabi says, call it the first intellect, call it the Nur Muhammad. It's the sight that is the first mirror image that comes out. And it is so beautiful and so perfect that every mirror image after that refers back to this first view. So it's like if someone, when you're in love, everyone you see has, reminds you of the one you love. So you're nice and good to everyone because everyone is reminding you of that first love, that first sight. And then we have Mother Earth. And from Mother Earth, there is a clay pulled out and that clay pulled out makes Adam Eve. So this is Adam Eve as a, as a, as a full whole completeness. And that Adam Eve then is taught all the names. 
And then from that, there's a remnant left over, and the date palm is made from that. And the date palm is the one that leans to Mary in the pains and the pangs of childbirth. And then from that date palm, there's also a little bit left, and that one makes the vast earth. So our body from descending from Adam Eve is the vast earth. And so the vast earth is this has just this tiniest, tiniest amount of substance, of material, but it is spread into a distance that is inconceivable for us. And so uh, this, this picture of how the vast earth then comes is the bodies and the material, the screens, the curtains, the, the movie theaters, the places where all of this is going to take place is the body. And so our body is the same body, just that imagery of you pick up one thread, that thread is still part of the whole cloth. And so this is the process. And then at some point, there will be this, the earth which was created will turn into a new earth. So Omar will recite this for us. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. يوم تبدل الأرض غير الأرض والسماوات وبرزوا لله الواحد القهار صدق الله العظيم A day the earth will be changed into another earth and the skies and they will issue forth to Allah the one the forcefully compelling And so and Ibn Arabi has a ratio for how this happens it's uh it's 13 to 99. No, it's uh, 21 to 99. 21 to 99 will be the ratio of the way the space of the earth will change to create this new earth. And I've been sitting for that on that one for a long time. <laughs> okay, so we are now looking at this at this vast earth. What do we what what do we see? And we see these 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 marks these grooves and these marks are the ones that tell us where they are and we re want to read these marks because when we read the marks then we know what's happening so we don't need to have the fourth dimensional hearing we need to be able to read marks we need to hear in from both sides night brilliant darkness black silk over Kaaba doors to essence open dreams descending night brims with secrets timeless before radiant doors to Mercy open spirit descending gentle power spreading everywhere heal restore resurrect high high night of power soul unveiled okay thank you okay so that's the what the pre-eternity what happens to bring everything together and that is that 
the yearning, the sigh, the mist. And then, so before, there, before every radiance, the shan, the brilliant radiance, we're off, then lit up individually, just us. And then we're all off again, one by one. And then we come on again, and then off again, on again. And so there's never an always on. And thank God, there's never an always off. So it's off, on, off, on, off, on. And so this is the rhythm of the, of the two, the stereo. We see, we don't see. We see this side, we don't see from this side. We don't see the inside from this. We do see the inside from that, but we don't see the outside. So it's always this two-ness. And so the Fatiha herself is two, divided into two. And then everything that is occurring to us is on, off, on, off. Everything that we see is who, but is lahu, not who, at the same time. So everything is and isn't, is and isn't, on, off, on, off. And so between the on and the off, there's the brilliant darkness. And that, and that is the place where we go to know that we were on, we're now going to go off, or we were off, and now we're going to go on. Okay. All right, so let's, we need to hear a universe song on this one, right? <laughs>
Maybe let's just sit for that with a minute or two. Yeah, and so we remember when we did the Alif Lam, that the La ilaha illallah has the two affirming and two negating. So that's the two, two affirming, two negating. And the Alif Lam themselves, it's one, then it's the other, it's one, then it's the other. And so this we get to the, the very basis and bottom and foundation of the universe. It's one, then the other, one, then the other. And so... Uh, this this ex explains a lot for us uh, that when we have things that are unbalanced and we think I need if I can only have this change um, and then we realize that you know both have to be there um, and so it's it ends up being a, a, a way to in a sense soothe ourselves or to uh, and this is why Ibn Arabi says knowledge is the is what you want because knowledge tells you why things are happening so the answer is not fix things by changing this or changing that or breaking that or destroying that or increasing that and decreasing that it's it's the balance and so knowledge tells us that that's the way things are and that knowledge then is the is the soothing that we need or is the is the solace that we need so okay so now, any any questions or comments or please um I'll be looking for raised hands and I'll look at the chat. So whichever is the best way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Martha, yes. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Martha, go ahead. Sorry, yes. Um, I wanted to ask about, um, just toward the end there, you were talking about reading. Um, and uh, reading, reading the signs. You had said about how it's not it's not necessary to see in four dimensions, but uh, we need the two eyes that we have, and uh, the Arif have seeing the uh, the exterior as well as seeing from the inside the the light from God. And I wanted to in the in this in the prayers of Ibn Arabi, the um, seven days of the heart um, talks about the. Um, he says, protect me from seeing the darkness of created things that exceptionalities are signs. I wondered if you could maybe speak about that a little bit, perhaps in relation to what you were saying. Yeah, this, uh, this, this the question of translation is, is so very important here because uh, what's being conveyed is, is from the word zulm and zulma, um, which is often translated as darkness. But uh, for Ibn Arabi, actually, zulma is the light blocking. So if you're in the, that, I've used that example, if you're in this dark movie theater, uh, until you put your hand up and stop the light, block the light, you can't see that there's a movie going on. So you need the screen, or you need to put your hand up in the middle of the movie theater to see that there's light. So light cannot be seen without light blocking. 
And then if you were to stand up in the movie theater and look straight at the light projector, you would realize light is itself a veil. So light is a veil. <clears throat> when someone's shining a light at you, you can't see behind them. You can't see who it is. So light is a veil, and then light blocking is a veil. And these veils are ones that, if not for the veil, we would not be able to see. And so in that very, uh, the, in, the, in the famous Hadith prayer, that, um, that if God were to show his light, his face, the glories of his face, everything would be destroyed. And what Ibn Arabi reads that very carefully and sees that it says that all the things that are light blocking would be destroyed and God would not be able to see what he wants to see. So to see, we need light blocking. So, but the light, so the light blocking is our body and the body is the veil veiling the light that's coming from the heart. So every moment we talked about that brilliant radiance at every moment is coming into the heart and the heart gets the light. And then the heart says, I can see God, I can see who, but my eyes cannot see who on the outside. And so to, to know that my eye, what my eyes cannot see and my heart does see, and that they are both together, simultaneous, they are who, lahu, they are and they are not at the same time. This is what we want to do. So to be trapped and to see the body only with not seeing the heart, is what it, in this prayer is, is that don't let me see the light blocking and not realize that the light blocking is there to see the light. So if I were to put my hand up in the theater and the light hits it, I say, oh, wow, there's the light. But if I look on the other side, there's still no light. And that means I've lost the point. The point of the light blocking was so that I could see the light. So, yeah, and this is being Moharam. And yeah, we just had the Ilahis with... Uh, Hassan and Hussein and Ibn Arabi uh, has, has a lot about to talk about with Hassan and Hussein. Yeah. And the uh, we have Yasmin Khan is saying, yeah, oh hi Yasmin. The the dark seems like a womb and a holding space. And this and Ibn Arabi is always looking at that idea of the womb and the Rahim, the Rahim, which is based on Rahma. So that is our kind mercy, that there is a protection. And so the womb is a protection. And so this body is a protection so that my heart doesn't burn through me. So Allah's tajalli, that brilliant radiance, which would burn through me or knock me down, um, is the body is actually a protector of that, to allow that protection. And protection is a junnat, a shield, and a kanaf. And a kanaf is the shroud that's put on top. And so when we go to the vision, we are given a shroud, a, cuff, a coffin, and a, and a, um, a kund, that, a kanaf that will protect us from this light. And so that's why we always need to have this, the body, and we need to have the vast earth, therefore, and to be buried in the body so that we can then have these visions. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, Lutfi has one here about the, the theological problem with the idea that Allah experiences insufficiency uh, or need. Um, yeah, that, that when I was doing a little bit of, of look at the word al-murid, the one who desires, um, so the Sufis have no problem with understanding al-murid is the one who needs something, desires something, wants something. Um, and it comes from irada. But apparently there are, there are many who say, oh, we can't use that word for God. Um, for Ibn Arabi, all of the names of God 
are visible in this side of the Barzakh, in this, this world. So all of the divine names show up here, even Qayyum and all the ones that you might not think could be there. So because Adam Eve is given, are, are given all of the names, then they and the complete person are able and receptive to all the divine names and can then manifest all the divine names. And in fact, when you look at the two sides, the divine side and then our side, we have all of the divine names on this side, and Allah has all of the divine names on that side. And then we have a few more names, dhillat, uh, humbleness, and, and being faqir, uh, being dependent. And this is how Bayezid Bistami was saying, was told to come to me, come to me with those two names which I don't have. So God lacks these two names, and those are our ways of getting to the divine. And so on the, in the balance sheet of the names, we have two more names, uh, and then Allah has this many names. Um, so we, we are, on this side, there are two more names than there are than on that side. So this is something that, in a sense, the the Sufis or the mystics uh, are able to handle, and then in a more conventional Islam, uh, this is seen as, how can you say that God needs something or wants something or even desires something and you have trouble, al-murid, the one who's called the murid, because the idea is that students are murid. <laughs> so there you go. And then we have from Omar, uh, uh, the pixels uh, is lit individually, one after the other, but really, yeah. So, what so Ibn Arabi is, and he and he tells this and he and he says he says each pixel each ion is lit up one, and then in the next moment another ion is lit up, and another one and another one until all of them are lit up, and then at that moment there is time one, and then they all turn off and then the process starts again. So it's individual, and so this is why Ibn Arabi says when you say you said you said. The first you is not the same as the second you because it's been, there's a new creation. And he says, of course, the Quran tells us that they are in labas, they are in confusion about, they are interclothed in confusion about this new creation. And, and Ibn Arabi says, and of course, how couldn't you be confused about this creation? It's happening far beyond our perceptive abilities. And if any ayn, any pixel could hold its light for two moments, then it would be independent of God. So in order to show that nothing is independent of God, then Ibn Arabi says, this is how each ayin depends on God for its light being on. And it cannot hold that light for two seconds or two moments. So, and it's very powerful. The moment you see this, then you see that so much stuff opens up in Ibn Arabi, what he's explaining. The moments are changing all the time. There is nothing fixed. And if I think I'm fixed, then I'm actually idolatry. I'm thinking that I'm God. And then if I think other people are fixed, then I also am thinking that there's something stronger than God's individual every moment creation. And so that's why the Sufi is told, you are a child of the moment. So whatever the moment is, that's what you act on. There is no judgment because as he said about Hajjaj, who was a, you know, a terrible person, but he said, what happened to him before, I don't know, 
what Allah will do with him next, I don't know. I only have the moment. And at the moment, he is acting correctly. Therefore, he is the imam for this, the gathering. Okay. Yeah, so this idea of pixels is quite interesting because there are a lot of things that, uh, that, that can be opened up if we see this metaphor of pixels being lit up. And, uh, and so we see the pixels being lit up. And what's interesting is that when it comes to, in the last 20 years, I guess, when it comes to monitors, uh, TVs and things like that, monitors, the idea, um, if you remember from, if you're my age, you'll remember that when you used to load uh, uh, image file that every pixel you could watch the pixels coming on and they would go one two three and then two minutes later you would see the figure the photograph of whoever you're looking at that's you all most of you don't see that anymore it's so instant well what happens is there's an algorithm that asks each pixel are you going to be the same or are you going to change and so it goes through, foof, 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 foof. Are you changing or are you going to be the same? And the ones that say, I'm going to be the same, they stay that way. They say blue, and this one stays blue, and this one starts changing to purple. And so all of the pixels are organized with this algorithm. And Ibn Arabi says that every moment, the pixel is going to be in a similar moment in the next one, or will be different. So similar or different. And that everything that's moving is everything, every cell in my body, every individual in the society, every animal on the, in the surface of the earth, every one and every atom is changing to something similar or something different. So that's all. And then, and so the two words, uh, the two words on this side that Allah does not possess are, is faqir or fuqar, um, uh, faqira and, and faqir, all that, the neediness, faqir. And then the second is dhillat, so that's uh, low abasement. And so lowness and dependency is the way for Bayezid Bastami, as he's been told, to approach God with the two words, the two names that I don't have. Shweb, Lufti had a question, an important question. Yeah. Yeah, we've got, uh, yeah, so this is, this is the, back, the back to that Allah wants something. And Ibn Arabi, you know, is speaking, he knows that there are many, uh, many conventional uh, Muslim in an audience. And so he speaks delicately about all of these things. Um, but he says that this is something that isn't there. So you only love, if you love like as the divine loves, you only love what isn't there. And so because it's not there, you yearn for it or you long for it or you and you desire it. And because you desire it, Ibn Arabi says, that creates a, a mist, a sigh. So the sigh is the, is the fundamental sound of the universe. It's the sigh. When will I be known? When will I be recognized? And because God cannot be encompassed, therefore cannot be known. So it can only be recognized. So when you, the rec, word for recognizing is from Irfan or Arif, Marifa, and Urf, and Urf, and this is the scent of the smell. So when you smell something, you recognize what it is without knowing what it is. So we don't know, we don't encompass the divine, but we recognize that this is the divine. 
And so the, the fundamental issue, the problem, is that how can something that can't be encompassed and known still be known? And the only thing is it can be recognized. And recognition is therefore that you see that one. And we see this in love, that when you hear, smell, sense, or see the beloved, um, and, th and that's why you can hear about someone and fall in love with them. And so that f falling in love with someone based on what you hear is telling us that the, that the mechanism of love is not uh, through our conventional understanding. It's something else happening. And so it's in a sense, it's saying the beloved who is there is only one beloved. And Ibn Arabi keeps telling you that you only love one and that is God. Um, but you don't realize that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, at some point, yeah, we, we, I, to talk more about Hassan and Hussein. Um, but let's see, okay, let's see. Yeah, so this is one, 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 one. It's never simultaneous. There are no two things at one time, and there's no one thing which is uh, at the next. So that, so when Allah gives tajalli, no two are the same, and no one repeats. And the one that I see is not the one you see, and I can never see the one you see. So Ibn Arabi says, at this level of the divine manifestation and tajalli, there is not one Islam or one belief system. There are infinite Islams, infinite belief system, because everyone has a non-repeatable uh, vision of the divine. And it's non-repeatable that if we have a series of numbers, uh, five, nine, three, 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 two, one, the moment there's two numbers which are the same, we know we're looking at an, a finite uh, amount of numbers. If there is no repetition, we can, we can suspect that we are looking at an infinite number of numbers. And so the lack of repetition tells us that we are looking at the divine. Yeah, and, and the, the on and off and on and off. So, so the way I look at it is that the on, so you're on, on, on. So you have 24 candles in the room and you're going to light each candle up in every hour, candle one, candle two, candle three, candle four, candle five. And then in 24 hours, you have 24 candles. That's one day. So each day, who is in the brilliant radiance? So in the brilliant radiance each day. So how long is the day? Well, if there's 24 candles, then one hour each candle, that's a 24 hour day. If there are 10 to the 38 particles, in the solar system being lit up, then the time it takes to light them up is 10 to the negative 38, or 1 over 10 to the 38th of a second, or of a day. So 1 over 10 to the 38th of a day gets to the realm of the femtosecond, and even faster than that. So that's how fast this lighting up is happening. <laughs> so it is uh, mathematically, in a sense, uh, describable. So, yeah, Adam Eve, the vast earth, the body, is receptive to all divine names. And the mu'min, the one who is faithful, is the mirror of the mu'min. So the mirror is the one who shows you the name. And so when you, when, if I am a mirror, you will see the one looking at me, and you won't see me because I'm the mirror, and the mirror is never seen, only the image. So when I look at a mirror, I see the image here. 
the mirror itself is never looked at. And so if I looked at it, I would change my focal point, my two eyes would focus on the mirror, and I would not see the image. So therefore, a mirror of the divine is one which cannot be seen, but the image is seen. And this is why the awliya are described as when they are seen, God is remembered. So they, they, see, they see God and they say, oh, I remember that it must be one of the friends who is putting the mirror to them. Okay, so those two names are the humility and the dependency, and the lowness and the dependency. Okay. Yes, so, so and so, uh, I'm going to say that my earth is vast, so, so me worship me. So, in Ardiwasya, so indeed my earth is vast, so I worship so me worship only me and so the vast earth is the place or the it's the curtain of it's the screen it's the body and it's the one place and it's the place where allah looks at with tajalli and then what is seen is there so so when ibn Arabi says so when allah wanted to make worship close to us he made us out of earth and so there are beings who are made out of light, and light is very proud and strong and, and does its own thing. And so Ibn Arabi says, if I were not told that the angels were all obedient, I would wonder how they could be obedient, because they're made from light. And then there are some who are made from fire. But we are made from earth, so automatically, or by our nature, by our earth basis, we are worshiping Allah. So, and we can do nothing but worship Allah. And even if we don't think we're worshiping Allah. And so that's how la ilaha illallah means there is no God to be worshiped but God. And then waqadarabuka, your cherisher has determined, has resolved that you only worship him. And this isn't, as Ibn Arabi says, it's not a command, it's a statement of fact. So a command would mean all you people, you should only worship God. And if you're not, there's something wrong with you. But as a, as a decision, as a property, it is you are worshiping God, whether you think the thing you're worshiping a mineral or a, or, a, or a plant or an animal or a human, you think you're worshiping that, but all the worship is going to Allah because you are an earth basis. So that's why we love the earth basis and we honor Mother Earth because Mother Earth is the one that's allowing us to be worshiping of the divine at, all, at every moment. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think we have time. Oh, uh, Rahmane, I think, has, uh, has a raised hand. Please go ahead. Thank you. Um, your teaching is extremely practical in a situation in my life. And so, Ya um, Shakur, thank you so much. Um, and I wondered if you would say more about that ratio, 21 over 99, because you said you've been sitting on it a long time, which you didn't tell us what's starting the hatch. <laughs> Yeah, because his imagery is that the that the Earth will will flat will flatten out. So we have to think about how a sphere flattens out, and that's that's a question in which you'll see no curvature. So if we look at the globe right now, and you have little mountains, then you see a curvature. And again, it's two eyes. So if I look with two eyes, I realize that this bump. Uh, I I only know that there's a bump if I have two ways of looking, two stereo to look at. 
and so to flatten, there is a, there's a certain, it's, it's flattened as far as the eye can see. So this is a, a physical uh, a ratio of, of how flat the earth has to become in order for the eye not to see any curvature. And there's, a, and there's something there, it's like, there's a, there is all the way from, um, you know, very early Arabic explorations of optics, uh, you can find out what, how, how high something has to be, which is 100 meters away, for you to see that there's a bump or and not flat. So that's one thing. We have to look at the ratios of curvature, how flat something has to be. And then if you have mountains, if I have a, if I have a cloth which is all rumpled up and I start flattening it, it expands its size. So this is where I first understood that Ibn Arabi is talking about fractal dimensions, that, that when things are crumpled and they're opened up until they flatten, they get a certain, they get bigger. And so, um, and then it turns into this enfolding and implicate. And we were talking about that, I was talking about with Omar about the implicate order of David Bohm, if things are enfolded. So when things are enfolded and then unfold and then spread out flat, what happens? And so in a sense, the enfolding of the vast earth, there will be a time when, there, when it will unfold and then flatten, and it will flatten this way and this way, and then things will return to the way they were before. So Ibn Arabi keeps pointing us to the Prophet said, there's a garden of the garden of the Jannah in between my minbar and my grave, meaning the place he was going to be buried. And so that garden is there right now. And so when all of this takes place and the, new, and the new earth comes about, there will still be this spot, which will then transfer to the other place. And there are four rivers which are flowing, and these four rivers flow, the Jehan, Sehan, Nil, and the other one. Uh, uh, the four rivers flow from the garden, and so in a sense, they're flowing here and at the garden at the same time. And then we also look at the four, the way, the four, rivers of the crying person, the two nostrils and the two eyes. Those tears are tears which are also parallel in a sense to uh, the garden and, and to the other world. So this, this, that, that, this is stereo vision. We see the tears here and we see that those are tears that are the meaningful tears. They are meaningful tears. We see these four rivers, and we see these are the four rivers of the garden. And we see this one plot of land, this tiny piece of land, and we say this is the one that the Prophet looked at and said, this is part of the garden. So we see those with two eyes. Okay. Okay. Uh, we have from Karima, for the fractions of instance when we are not seen, do we still exist? Okay, that's okay. For the fractions of instance when we do not, we are not seen, do we still exist or do we blink out of existence? Do we go back to the brilliant darkness? And since Allah sees and knows everything, how do the truth and this truth fit together? What happens to the being at the cell, cellular or microbial level, whatever the moment is being looked at? Okay, this is a beautiful one. So what happened, and this is why Ibn Arabi is has he, when he tries to say that there's an there's an an out an, a void and emptiness and then there's another one and and he said the emptiness of the emptiness a negative of the negative makes a positive so he has so the reason he says this in the first line of the futahat and then on page six thousand something he explains it um so this you had to wait quite a long while to get that explanation so what he's saying is that there when you are out you are still you are still a skeleton. You are still a stabilized pixel. 
So you have pixel, which is there. Uh, it's lit up or it's turned off, but the pixel's still there, ready for the next one. So you, so there, you are out of non-existent, absolute non-existence, because once you are out of not, absolute non, non-existence, we enter into existence, we will never again be out of existence, but we will be turned off and on. And so, uh, so the, the beauty is that once the, you are taken out of non-being, out of emptiness, you will never again go back into absolute non-existence. What you will be is you will go to a being which has its offness. And so that's, and that's how we get trouble in English or in Arabic as well. Being and is are things that are positive. So how do you say is not being? And Ibn Arabi says, you can't say in Arabic and we can't say in English, this is non-being because is is being. Le, le verbe être, to be. You, you can't say the nothing is to be. And so therefore, he's saying, and that is a signal to us, is saying that we are, but not necessarily the same way we are when we're on. So when we're off, we still are, but we're, we are off, and then we are on. Okay. And we have, uh, how is idolatry even possible when the whole creation is of and by Allah? I keep talking against this. And that is for Ibn Arabi, he's saying that when that when you are in a position of knowledge, you see that all things are the divine. There is nothing else but the divine. How can there be idolatry when you have la ilaha illallah? There is no God but God. So you can't say la ilaha illallah, but then there's this very precious holy stone, or there's this person which I have divinized, or there's this other God. No, there is no God, but there is God. And so there, there at that level, there is no idolatry. The only level that we talk about idolatry in is whether something is good for us or not good for us. And that is, um, if, I, if I think this is God, but this isn't God, then there is a trouble. I either should say all of it is God, or I should say none of it is God. And I, but if I start picking and choosing, saying these gods are gods, but these aren't, uh, then we get into, into trouble. And so then we get into the darkness and the self-oppression of not recognizing that God is everywhere and nowhere. So we want to recognize God is everywhere and we recognize that God is nowhere. So this is like the child learning object permanence. So object permanence means that you say peekaboo and I say, there you are. And then you go behind the wall. And I still know you're there, but then you come out, peekaboo, there you are. So if we learn this when we're six months old, then we have no problem with idolatry and monotheism and anything else. Because we say everything, peekaboo, it's God. But then when I don't see it, I also know God's there. So God, peekaboo. And that's why children delight in it so much because they've just come from, am I not your cherisher, peekaboo? Yes, you are a cherisher. And then we go into the world. We say, oh, where are you? I thought you were there. So we need to recognize. And that's why our parents teach us. They teach us that even though you can't see me, I'm there. So we remember that even though I can't see the divine,
God is there. So this is how, if you learn that lesson, we never have any problem with idolatry or monotheism. If we don't learn that lesson, then we are in real trouble because I only, I only know you exist when you're there. And when you're gone, I think you're gone. Then I get in a miserable life. I have a miserable life because I have no idea who's there and who's not there and what happened to that person. And when you're here, I love you. And then you're gone. Now I don't know what's going on. So that's the problem. So we need to go back, learn what we knew when we were little, little kids. Uh, so we'll just end with, how does what you say about being turned off relate to death on this planet and the seeing Moses in the sky? So, uh, so Ibn Arabi is telling us that our body is this vast earth and that as long as we are in the earth, we are where we need to be. And that being in the earth allows us to have the, the adventures and the, and, the, and the travels elsewhere. So as long as I have a body, I can dream. So the body is still here, but the dream world, I'm, I'm in the dream world at the same time. So Ibn Arabi says, you know, you, we look at the, the verse from the Quran that, that when the person dreams, God takes the soul out and that person is now roaming around in this other place, which is connected to the vast earth, but which is its own place, a dream world. And it could be the sixth sky. It could be the fourth earth. It could be the garden. It could be the fire. It could be the wall in between. It could be any of those places. That's the dream world where you are exploring. And you are locked and anchored in this body here. And so if you are to wake up and live conventionally, then your soul is put back in and you go and live conventionally. If you are to die, the soul stays here and you and your body stays here. And so your body stays. And so we look with two eyes, I see, oh, this person is sleeping or is dead. And here he is in this realm here. I met him last night in a dream. And so this is, this is now it's very interesting what happens to this body. It also has an overseer. There's an overseer. And that's why Ibn Arabi never gets into theological discussions about your soul and yourself and which is your soul, which is yourself and, and all these kinds of things. Because there is in the body something that while your soul is out there exploring this world, this new world, if uh, Ibn Arabi says, if someone then rolls over and is about to hurt, uh, you know, choke a child by, by suffocating them, then that overseeing soul, which is still here in the body, will say, wake up. And the person wakes up and says, oh, my goodness, I was almost going to roll over and suffocate this child. And Ibn Arabi said, I have seen that for myself, that he's seen that himself. So there is an overseeing soul or, or part which is keeping an eye on you while your soul is doing all of this. So, um, and so that's why we, we can't ever say, so when the soul is out um, and there's a person who's sleeping, that's why you're still able to wake up and, and, and come back. And then when the body then is going to be into the earth and stay in the earth, then at that moment, then the soul is free to go. And then, and, and there needs to be no other overseeing uh, part of the, of the body because the dead body then has finished with taklif, has finished with tasking. And so there's no other need to keep an eye on things. And am I doing the right thing? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? So, okay. Well, thank you. That's very detailed. Uh, chat questions. I have to be, uh, I can save those luckily and look at them. So thank you very much. Uh, so see you next week, inshallah. Okay, take care. <laughs> bye bye.